Hi everyone and welcome to episode 29 of the Ask the Coach show. I'm Jeff Plum and with me as always is Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Hi Jeff, how are you going? I'm going really well. I'm excited for another show as always. Um, so let's get stuck into the questions because we've got some rippers today. And I'm just going to see if I can ask the questions today. But again, a little bit of an error having some technical difficulties, Alice, with the questions. Must be my internet connection or something. But first up, we've got the Ping Skillers question of the day. And the Ping Skillers question from yesterday was, who is your inspiration? So tell us a bit about um, people who have inspired you, Alois. Yeah, so uh, probably the first one, my mother uh, was the Indian national champion and um, and certainly I learned a lot when I was starting um, out. I used to hassle her every day to uh, to play with me at home and hit the ball up against the wall. Um, then also other coaches that I've had um, over time, I suppose Mr. Mr. Chowland's son, who was uh, in the Chinese national team and was one of our national coaches for a few years was uh, very inspirational to me and uh, yeah several other coaches that I've had um, over the years as well. What about you Jeffrey? Yeah yeah the same thing my parents yeah my mum and dad were you know very encouraging uh, when I started playing table tennis. Then there's a lot of people when you first get to a club that uh, help you out the president there Ray Perdrio was you know influential and used to take us to tournaments all around the place. Um, and then when I won the first uh, national title under 15 Australian Championships, my coach Muhammad Al Hassan, he was, you know, a great coach and taught me a lot about table tennis. So yeah, and then yeah, later on, like you said, Mr. Chowland Sun uh, was uh, very inspirational. So a lot of people it takes a lot of people uh, to, to um, help you get good at this game. All right. So the pink silver question of the day today is. Um, should the rules of table tennis be continuously evolving? We've had a lot of rule changes recently, and so we just want to know your thoughts about that. Is it good to tinker with them and try and make the game better, or should we just leave it as is? So uh, leave, you, leave your thoughts in the comments, and we will tell you our thoughts tomorrow. All right, Alice, straight into the questions. First one from Friendy. And Freddie says, my style of playing table tennis is as an attacker. But when it's time to defend, uh, just like block or chop, as I only try to attack the ball as an attacker. So, yeah, so I think he's asking a bit about, yeah, as an attacker, what should I do defensively, Alois? So it's still really important to have a good defense. You'll, you'll see that the best attackers still have a really good block, um, you know, they can they can push the ball well, they keep the fight really well. It helps set up the uh, their attack as well. And it also makes the game a little bit more complex for your for your opponent. If they know that they can just make a simple attack and win the point, it puts less pressure on them um, to make the attack. So Really work on improving your block um, because because that um, forms the basis of your attacking game as well. Yeah, I mean, again, I go back to Jan Ove Boldner. You know, I mean, one of the greatest attackers you've ever seen, but 
his defence and even Jorgen Persson, um, the, the Swedes at that time had such good defensive play, were able to get that ball on their bat all the time, be able to block the ball so well, um, which just um, made their attack uh, even harder. Yes, and I think it's important that people don't get stuck uh, too much in the mindset of these styles, like I'm an attacker so I only attack, I'm a defender so I only defend, because with table tennis you actually need to do all of those, but the styles just indicate that you you know, you know, attack more if you're an attacker or you, you chop more if you're a, a defensive chopper. Um, but if you watch your level and then look at players above you, you're going to find that in all areas of the game, their shots improve. So even the attackers, as they get better, you have a look at them when someone attacks at them, and you'll find that they do have a really good defence. So you do need to work on on a lot of aspects of your game. I mean, if you're an attacking player, maybe you don't have to work on chopping so much, but definitely defence, as in blocking, and when someone's attacking you, you need to be able to deal with that ball uh, very well. So keep working on your blocking, uh, Friendy. All right, so the next question is from Craig. And Craig says, I have switched over to the shake hand grip and long pips on my backhand. I play 95% of the balls on my backhand. What are the best strokes to use with long, with long pips to fool other players? And the group I play with hit about 75% underspin. That's an interesting one, Alois. Yeah, so so with the long pips, um, so what, what the pips is doing is it's reversing the spin. So if they uh, give you a backspin ball, as you push through the ball, it's going to go back to them with a little bit of topspin. So if they are mainly um, pushing the ball, so what you need to do is really push that back through push that back through nice and flat and fast um, to make it harder for them. You know, with the long pipples, it's, it's more a matter of um, utilising the spin that they've got. It's hard to generate your own spin, but, you know, by just starting to come across the ball a little bit, if you want to add a little bit of deception, um, a little bit of wobble on the ball as well, you could try that. Um, but first, it's really important to just get the basics of using the long pimples well. So. And if they're if they're pushing to you, push through really flat and fast. If they're top spinning to you, you can chop down on the ball a little bit more that way um, to get a little bit more backspin going back to them. Um, we've got a couple of lessons on um, how to use long pimples in our strokes and techniques um, section. Um, they're premium lessons, but uh, you might might be able to join up even for a month and and have a look at those lessons on the long pips. Um, it'll be really worthwhile for you um, just to be able to go through that over the month. And um, it's interesting uh, hearing about the, the style of play there. So um, they hit about 75% of underspin and he plays 95% of strokes with his backhand. I guess there's some opportunities for development there. It just depends how much you want to practice, I guess. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, starting to starting to utilise your forehand a bit. I mean, if you've got the if you've got the long pimples on on the attacking side of your bat, um, yeah, you. I mean, you can start to develop your forehand and attack a little bit more with them. And the other thing is just being able to to switch. So being able to switch your bat around to use the rubber side as well, um, because that will um, add a lot more. 
um, food for thought for them, you know, because if you're, if you're playing one with the pimples and one with the um, normal side, then it does mix things up a lot for them as well. Okay, I see you're using the pen old there. In the question, it actually said I switched over to the shake hand grip. Oh, good point. Sorry. Yeah. So, so then, then you you can um, start to utilise, you know, the the pimples there and the normal rubber there as well. So, yep. All right. Well, good luck with that, Craig. Um, try out a few of those ideas and see if it helps you out. Um, and let us know how you get on. Okay. The next question is from um, Anab, who says, "Can you please explain?" What rule is being exercised in this rally? And he's given a YouTube link, and it's where um, they're playing a point, and there's an umpire actually counting the number of strokes, and then at a certain yeah. point they stop the rally and award the point to one of the players. So he yeah. wants to know what was the rule that was happening, and why was the point awarded uh, to one of the players? Yeah. So so what happened there, Jeff? So. And they're, they're playing a point, and there's a really good clip of it's almost looks like the longest point in the world. Like they go, I think the sh it's almost it's over a hundred shots, but in the middle of the rally, the umpire just stops the point, um, and and then there's a bit of confusion, or looks like a bit of confusion, and the umpire is signalling for someone. So what happens there is that that is the expedite system is going to be implemented. So. Um, at that stage, that particular game, and I think the score was about 8-7 in that game, um, had gone for 10 minutes. So once a single game goes for 10 minutes, um, you start to implement the expedite system. So what the expedite system is, is that it puts a bit more pressure on the server now to win the point quickly. So the server has to win the point before the receiver gets 13 shots back on the table. If the receiver gets 13 shots back on the table, they automatically win the point. So that's the expedite system. And in that clip, go and have a look at the clip because the, the rally is amazing in itself, but then um, you'll see that they stop the rally and they, uh, yeah, then, that, that's that's what's happening. They they're going to implement the expedite system. Okay. So when they stop the rally, um, as soon as it gets to ten minutes, they stop the rally that's in progress, do they? Yes. Yep. So even if the if the if there's a rally in progress, they stop um, and that's, they call a let, and then um, they implement the expedite system. Yep. Um, the other interesting thing with the expedite system is that if, say, say that happens in the in the second game, so if the second game goes for more than ten minutes, then every game from then on starts with the expedite system. It's an interesting one because I guess this was introduced when they um, used to use hard bats and matches would go for a lot longer. Now, I don't think it's really a problem, and I'm not sure they even need the expedite system anymore. I think they could just ditch that rule. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think so too. I was thinking the same thing. You know, I was watching that rally, and I was thinking, whoa, how, how, um, you know, how bad it is that they've just interrupted such a sensational rally, but also, no doubt, there would have been a lot of rallies like that in that game for the, for the game to go for 10 minutes. So... 
you know, like games aren't going to go for much more than that anyway. I mean, it's it, you know, it needs rallies of hundred balls or more sometimes, and it just doesn't happen very often. And I think when it does happen, it looks so entertaining and it's it's fantastic. Like, yeah, yes. I, I agree with you, Jeff. I, I could almost ditch it. And have, have you ever played in an expedite match yourself? No, I haven't. Interesting. Yeah, I was I was playing a chopper once, and I hadn't beaten this chopper for a while, and I thought, yeah, I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and um, get to expedite with them. And um, at that stage, the games were up to 21, and you had to last for 15 minutes. I think the game had to last for 15 minutes. And... And unfortunately, I think I got to about three or four minutes <laughs> trying try to trying to implement the X-Brite system because I just made too many mistakes with my pushing, you know, and and yeah, it was a disaster. <laughs> uh, that's a funny story. Um, yeah, I never played in an Expedite match myself either. My yeah. Not sure. Can can we uh, can we hear Jeff? I I can't uh, can't hear you anymore, Jeff. So hopefully you'll come back shortly. But uh, yeah, the Expedite system certainly is. It's um it's something that has evolved over time, uh, or or was developed a long time ago. When when as Jeff said, you know they used to use the hard bats and everyone used to just push the ball backwards and forwards and and um, and yeah, it was it was a, a it took a long time. For, for matches, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but there were reported of you know some matches that went for hours and some rallies that went for hours. It might be worth looking up the the Guinness Book of Records and just seeing um, what the record is for the longest match and also the longest rally in an actual um, in an actual competition. So yeah, that would be interesting to to take a look at as well. But, um, but certainly nowadays, yeah, the exploit system, I don't know. You know, with all the attacking play that happening, that's happening, I think, you know, we could just almost ditch it. So I can't I think he's gone. It's probably too early in the morning. He's gone up. He's gone up back to bed or something. So we might um, continue with the questions, and uh, I'm going to have to ask them. I'm going to have to answer them. Here we go. So, so the next question is from Chesky. And um, the question is, can I hit the ball with the side of my racket? Um, it creates some good speed, and it's also surprising. Is it legal? Um, so what Chesky's talking about is hitting the ball with the edge of the racket like that. And you're right, Chesky, the ball does go really fast, um, but it's really difficult to control the ball when you hit it with the edge of your racket. If you hit it with the edge of the racket, it, it can go anywhere. You know, you're much better off spending the time just training hitting the ball better with the rubber. You know, you spend a lot of money um, on a sheet of rubber, you might as well use it. So, yeah, so the edge of the racket, I mean, it's just not worth trying to, to worry too much about it, Chesky. So um, I think think you're better off just working on your general strokes. So I think I think we're done for questions for today and still no, Jeff. So... Um, thanks for watching the um, show, and we'll see you again tomorrow. And hopefully, Jeff won't just off and, and leave us alone. So, have a great day, Ping Skillers, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.